Here's Alex now. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jay Bassler to another episode of the Hadit.com Blog Talk Veterans Radio Show. We're uh, working here on this 22nd day of April 2016 to some beautiful weather. And Gerald and uh, Alex are both with us here. They're, I think they're on the back burner on the back line. So we're going to do a show today, and we're going to base it on Shredder Gate. I guess we call it Part 3. The news story broke about the regional office being caught with the uh, claims uh, I just call it claims substantial documents that would have a bearing on somebody's claim stuck in a shredding bin. And the IG found this, and uh, it's getting ugly, really How ugly. Many they, how many did they find, John? They found a uh, They found a bunch of them, man. I tell you what, it was oh, just it's discombobulated, buddy. Discombobulated, and uh, you know all this time. After all that, after they got cut, you know they got caught with a finger in the cookie jar once before. All this well, I time, I think more than once. Uh, Four hundred and thirty-eight thousand documents. Oh God, that's they went through four hundred and thirty-eight thousand documents. Uh, this is just in the morning. 155 claims-related documents, 65 were to have been incorrectly placed in six shred bins at six of the regional offices. So I'm fixing to make them famous. you got the Atlanta ones, Chicago, Houston, New Orleans, Philadelphia, and Reno, Nevada. In Baltimore, in Oakland, California, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and St. Pete didn't have any. Reach out and pat yourself on the back if you're part of Baltimore, Oakland, San Juan, and St. Petersburg. Now, if you're part of the others, I would would, uh, make a request then for my claims file and uh, see if you can get it. Uh, If you don't get it, uh, be on alert. You're going to have to rebuild that thing somehow, Uh, as troubling as that can be. Uh, But... Uh, immediately put in, if you're in any one of those where they shredded them documents, request a copy of your C-file. Uh, or, yeah, that's that's what it'd be, and, uh, or claims file. And, uh, it, it might look like a bird's nest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all tongue-tied. It just makes you so damn mad when you hear this stuff. It, it It's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Well, folks, this information, you know, we try to keep information as reliable from a good source as we can. Um, but I want to tell you something. A very high percentage of stories that come out of military.com, they're going to be reliable. And uh, so that's why we jump on it and prove on it. You know, now if it come off Athnaw's website, it'd be reliable too. You know, so you know we can hit that together. But Alex is probably following this too. And we got a guy had it named Bronco Vet that's 
probably the guru on this stuff. I'd like to see him come on and help us out with it. But what do you think about this, Gerald? I mean, what what's going on? Why don't they get it? I mean, this happened before. They get, they can get away with it, John. They still get their bonuses. Who oh. I want? I'd like to know who got their bonuses for doing this stuff. Alex, you got any idea who 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 did the bonuses? Well. <clears throat> Here's my take on it. Back in 2008, when this last surfaced, everybody acted like it was some kind of, I've never heard of this happening before. It was just purely an accident in Dayton, and the OIG just happened to walk in there the day that it happened. But the the bonuses, if you will, or, or who benefited from it, it's very simple. They've, they've been backlogged ever since, I don't know, what particular year or whatever you want to figure out when VA got backlogged. I think they were backlogged in 89 the first time I filed, and they didn't get any better by 94. Yeah, it's uh, not getting any better. Uh, We should officially change the name of the backlog, folks, to claims constipation. That's that's what it needs to be called because it's a bunch of crap doing this stuff. Well, the, the whole thing, and, and VA even had to enact a regulation into the CFRs that concerned themselves with this and said that if you had a claim in Dayton between, if you had a, a claim in Dayton between, uh, whenever that was, about 2008, uh, it was a eight or ten month period, it covered it. It was like a Band-Aid. It says, okay, if you guys claims were in here and you think something's missing from your claims file, then you're gonna you're gonna get this consideration. But you oh. know as well as I do, you guys, is when they <clears throat> when you if you are unlucky enough to be in that Korean War clique or cohort and you go to get your medical records or whatever from the NPRC and they say, uh oh. Well, your stuff got burned up back on Friday the 13th and 73, so, you know, we're going to give you a special dispensation for the fact that your records got burned up. This The Shredder thing is exactly con- identical to that in every respect, and the special consideration is that your denial is going to be special. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they got a little star at the end. <laughs> and what, but, yeah, they what put is a little the, star on there. What is the term they all use? the lay testimony in the world isn't going to make that thing take off like an airplane. And I, they the, the, the bonus from it is obvious. If you get your numbers down, shred the claims files or the information that's supposed to go into them that would produce a win, if you destroy all that, then you're going to get a denial. And the poor vet, he's working with the VSO. They don't know why they got denied. They put their evidence in. They they assume the evidence is in the C file and was used to make the decision. So if you shred it, you, you make it much easier to deny. Very simple to deny. So You can't say the word shred. They, they don't like that word. <laughs> you have to use well, somebody might have tampered with the files and the presumption of regularity is gone. That's all well and fine, but this, the, the evidence is still missing 
which generates a denial. I don't care what happens. They're not going to give you, they're not going to look at you and say, okay, we trust you, Alex. Hey, no problem. If you say that, that you sent that in, then we believe you. You're good to go on that, Jack. No, it doesn't work like that. They got one mission in life, like an insurance company. They want to do it with Bondo. Or they want to deny it and say you ran a red light and that's why you got hit. It's an insurance company ploy. If if you are guilty, or I should say, if if you are, if you win, and the reason you won is because of, of your evidence, then VA is still going to lowball you. Still going to start out with a zero percent thing, but when they when they shred those documents or when they, the documents accidentally get shredded, whichever way you want to phrase it, the people are going to get bonuses because their workload goes down. They got more denials. Their, their success rate goes up. The denial rate goes up. And to them, that's accuracy. Every, everybody doesn't seem to get this. But if you take, let's just take 100 claims, come through the door of the, John, what's closest office to you, Louisville? Yeah, Louisville. Yeah, okay, so Louisville. A hundred claims come into Louisville on Monday morning, and by Friday night they got them all de- denied and approved just the way they're supposed to. So 85 got denied, and 15 won. That's that's mm-hmm. if, if they that's say about what's with it. Accuracy. Not powerful the colors. <laughs> Usually 1.5 out of that, not 15. <laughs> if you can shred documents in 85 of those 100 claims, you're going to beat these statistics yourself. It, it, this, this shredding business isn't brand new. It's, they ought to have gotten rid of shredders at VA and said, you know, okay, we're going to burn these things. Don't leave them lying around in a shredder room for two weeks or a month so that the shredder officer can come by and look at them and sign off on them before they're destroyed. Yeah, there's just no room for shredding documents unless they've been scanned into the system. And this is another big problem we're discovering. They had a CAB, and they said, okay, scanned all my records. You say you scanned all my records into an electronic format, the VBMS format. So now I have a, C- a CD, a disk of my records, and no more paper. Destroy that paper. They shred it. They should send that to the veteran. All that stuff is the original documents. They should send that to the veteran. I agree, yeah. That's exactly right. They didn't get all those documents onto that CD. That's what we're finding now. Or you get a document somebody else. I mean, you know, Flop Bob Squarepants has proven in court before that when when they make copies of something or scan something, we have a lot of documents that are two-sided, two-sided, and they're only scanning one side. So half your claims file, where is it? And they shred the other documents. It's it's that's it's gone. Ah, it is gone. It's gone. But the, the interesting thing is, is that the VA operates from the presumption of regularity. They can do no evil because they're a government outfit. They don't have any skin in the game. It, it, they're above board. They're they're above suspicion of doing anything illegal or or untoward. 
But just look what the VHA has been caught with on this scheduling uh, cover-up. And it wasn't just Phoenix, and it wasn't just, well, South Carolina, and it wasn't just Philadelphia. turns out there are 141 CBOCs and VAMCs and whatever, outpatient medical clinics, that were doing the same exact thing. Now, you can't tell me that one guy dreamed all this up at each regional office or VAMC. He didn't say, hey, you know what, we could schedule more patients in here and then cancel them and then don't even tell them they've been canceled, and we could make our numbers look better. And And we'll get bonuses. And we'll get bonuses. And And we can count them as no-shows. Find 56 people that work for the VA that are that intelligent that can do that in all those different regional offices or VAMCs. So somebody up above had to be saying, from here on out, this is how we're going to do it. We can double schedule this way and then deny and then pull and yeah. do all this. We'll all make our little $28,000 bonus this year. Everybody will be happy. The vet won't be happy, but who gives a shit about the vet? That's not what we're doing. Okay, let me. For. I want to take I want to take that form just for a minute, okay? Don't get me don't take me wrong, okay? Go ahead. Now, my beautiful bride of thirty some years, thirty three to be exact, worked for the Department of Veteran Affairs in patient care, and she took a lot of X rays and MRIs and CAT scans and even done vascular stuff in the vascular suite as a special technologist. You know, people that uh, the ones that do direct patient care and ones that work with the patients. They really don't have time for this bull crap that these administrative employees are doing because they usually get pretty good bonuses because, you know, they they do what they do. Then you get these administrative employees, when they got a lot of them, you get these pen and pictures in there, and they try to figure out how to beat the system. So they'll start getting bonuses. And they're the ones that do the scheduling and the calls and things like that, not the direct patient care people. Because they just tell them when to who they, they just say schedule this guy back in six months, and then the, the clerks do the scheduling. So, you know, the people in direct patient care, I'm not too worried about because they're good people and they do a good job. This is uh, well, this is the. I see a different uh, metric with this bonus thing. Back in the '80s, when I first started filing '89, there weren't any bonuses. I mean, it just was unheard of, and I even. Uh, I've asked a few of the old-timers about that. So when does bonus thing start up? And they said, well, you know, they had a, a employee of the month plaque they hung on the wall, and then they got the employee of the year, and then it would be like, okay, well, you get a little Christmas bonus because you denied 85 out of the 100 that came up. So you get a bonus. So Now, that's usually uh, promotion. Floor, <laughs> all the service people. They're watching all these Gomer uh, DROs and, and RVSRs oh, getting these little $1,500 gift cards for Target and uh, VA, and they said, well, we do a good job of denying them, too. We told them to deny them, so we should get a bonus. And all of a sudden, well, the, the veterans law judges, well, they all worked real hard this year, so they kept the, the bottom line down to a dull roar. So, hey, they get one too, the old two thousand, three thousand, and then the guys in charge of the hospitals, the VISN, regional, and all that stuff, they're going like, "Well, hey, this is a gold mine. I can keep yep. keep 
if that's dead and buried, why well, I think I should be getting twenty eight thousand a year, and it just mushroomed out. Of- now Congress, sure enough, they told them told them they, they got to knock off the bonus thing. There's not enough money to build that Denver hospital. I don't know how do you get, how do you come up with enough money for bonuses? <laughs> that defies the gravity and, and finances at the VA. <clears throat> but it's real simple. <laughs> we could do another show in that hospital itself. Over oh, really. <laughs> Yeah. But this, Good, but this is Gerald's pet peeve for bonuses yeah, okay. at the VA. Right. Guys step on their necktie about three times a day. They're still handing out bonuses to some of these guys. I don't know how. In fact, the Congress said, knock it off and until you guys get your poop together in one pile. No more bonuses, but you still read about them. These guys are managing to pull them up out of the woodwork and out from underneath the carpet. So I mean, it's Big bonuses, my God. Do you see what they paid some of them people to move across town? <laughs> it's it's we've, uh, we've had people, uh, you know, in, in big corporations, we uh, sold houses. And Pepsi was one that we worked with a little bit uh, extensively in the 90s. Uh, we'd have a block of houses what we call it spec housing, speculation. We'd build them and expect to find a buyer after we got them built, but the market was hot. Pepsi came to us, Bill came to us, and they said, well, we want to buy those houses ahead of time. Would you give us a deal on, on a package deal on two, three, five, or whatever? Because we got people in Pepsi that are the supervisors, the hierarchy of the Pepsi generation, and they move every three years. They transfer from Missouri to Seattle and from Seattle down to California and California to New Mexico, and they move them around the same way the VA started doing it. I can show you my paperwork, onion skin paperwork, of the raider that I dealt with in 1989 when I got kicked piece. I can't think of his name right here. I'd have to look it up. But I watched him progress. Uh, from a just a RVSR or VSR, I guess he was, a DRO review with him before we even had DRO reviews. And his name was Wallace, J.F. Wallace. Don't have an idea what the J.F. stood for. But I watched Mr. Wallace work his way up over the years. I noticed in 1994 he was the assistant manager of the Seattle Regional Office when I filed my claim in March of 94. And... I even saw his name on there as the the head honcho when I refiled to reopen in 2007, and he had become the regional director of the Seattle regional office. So he stayed in one place all that all those years. That's not how they do it anymore. You you look on the on the who's who team on the regional offices. You see that that head ranger, he he's uh, in Seattle this year, and all of a sudden he's in Oakland next year, and then he's in Manila the year after that, and then he's in Houston, and then all of a sudden he's in New York, and then all of a sudden he's down there on Vermont Avenue in the big office making the big bucks up there on the 11th floor. So this, this idea of moving everybody around did what Pepsi did. Pepsi would buy up the houses of the people who were they were going to move from one place to Seattle and sell it when they got a chance to, say in Bethesda, Maryland. But they'd come to my place and, and buy some houses from me and put their employees to them, and they'd have that house ahead of 
and the employees didn't complain because I had nice houses, and and they were in good neighborhoods, everything else. But that's what VA is doing is they're buying up so and so's house when they leave uh, Tucson or, or or whatever Portland. They're buying that house from those people and taking care of it. Even if they take a loss on it, they're still going to buy it and sell it for a loss. And then when the employee moves to the new location, they're buying them a house at the other end or, or helping to buy it or deep cost to buying it. And yeah, a lot of, band a lot and of everything else. But why do all that? Why not just do what they did with Mr. Wallace and leave him in Seattle for friggin' years and give him a gold watch and a pension? What's this insanity? i got to move this guy around the country 16 times in 20 years. Well, if you got your name on so many denial letters, it would be a good thing to move. <laughs> it's money, 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 money. They call it relocation. They've got a chart up to your grade and your job of how much they pay moving expenses and things like that. And, they, you know, they got the buy-your-house programs, and they do that. And uh, it started out as a... Uh, for the VA as a hard, for example, you take an area that's not very populated or it's got a lot of veterans, but they can't get workers to go to like a real cold area. They started doing that, offering incentives and things like that to move people in there to work that really on a normal basis wouldn't go there. I think that's how they started. And the bonus situation will start because one guy got a bonus. Next thing you know, the unions get involved and everybody's getting bonuses. Well, something ought to be put a stop to. Yeah. And them unions is Gerald's pet peeve. <laughs> yeah, I wonder about that Denver hospital not having enough money. And you, you you investigate into that one a little bit more, and you discover VA's got their own construction company for all intents and purposes. Instead of just letting the Army Corps engineers do it and keeping their hands and their mitts off of it, they're in there knee-deep trying to get them to hire their in-laws to you know, to bring the bricks to the job or supply the concrete. You know things are never going to work out when you start getting all the, all that. Well, I, I imagine the guy that dug the first shovel full of dirt out of the footing, for the footing, is going to retire there, an old man. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and made a killing. Well, yeah. This thing was shredding. You mark my words. They said there was only, I believe, six. How many was that? I wrote it down here on my blog here. i got to refuel it to see where it was. Uh, Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, New Orleans, Philadelphia, and Reno were the, the six that they identified right off the bat. I know that they found about four more, so let's just call it ten right now. If you had enough OIG uh, uh, investigators that you could send them to every regional office, including the uh, AMC down there at the BVA, you'd probably find out that them shredding machines are working overtime for one simple reason, is they're sending a lot of the stuff out, converting it into the VBMS system. But when they bring it back, they've got it in an electronic format, but they still have the paper records and they have to do something with them. So if it's been converted successfully, and that's in quotation marks, there wouldn't be any reason for that paper. 
but by the well, same token, if it wasn't you. successfully uploaded and, and, and converted to electronic, uh, then you're going to be shredding documents that actually have bearing on, or very possibly have bearing on a claim. Uh, further down the line, documents from 1960, 70, I mean, they might be helpful if you're winning a claim in 2018 on PTSD and they ignored a bunch of stuff that uh, that you filed when you got back from Vietnam and all, all of a sudden just now win. I mean, look, took, look how long it took me to win, from 89 until 2014, 99, 09, 26 years <clears throat> before VA said, okay, and some of those records were from 1994. And if they'd just converted all that into electrical or electronics way back in the 90s or 2000s, who's to say they got it all anyway because they're so sloppy? If they're putting it in the shredder room and it doesn't belong in there, that tells you what the efficiency quotient is of these people. It's pretty low. Their error rate is demonstra- demonstrably higher than probably any other uh, government agency in existence. I, I don't know if there's a functional equivalent of a fifth-grade education as a prerequisite for getting a job there. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're not allowed to be a read and write to get a job. I don't know. It's, it's pretty scary. Well, like you say, it, to me it would be far more brutal if, if they would send all that that whole group of paper back to the individual. Well, he would be the uh, one that... The veteran. That'd be the logical thing to do. It, uh, it, it, it belongs to him, Gerald. Well, yeah, it belongs to him. And if, if they saw fit to destroy it, they could burn it themselves. But, but uh, I would... Uh, anyone that's dealing with those offices that uh, shredded those, uh, at least put in for a copy of your claims file. See if you can get it. If you can't get it, then uh, look out. You better start digging into it. You may have to rebuild it. Especially well, if you've got an ongoing claim. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Well, that's it. I mean, it almost ought to be against the law if you have an ongoing claim that is until it's been appealed to its natural death or conclusion. I think burning that stuff up, just saying, okay, we converted it, it's all here, and they burn it, and well, <clears throat> or shred it, or whatever. Um, it, you're, taking, you're stepping out on a pretty slim limb and putting too much weight on something, assuming that that they did it right. There's just, VA has a track record, I hate to say it, but they just got a really poor track record on doing things right or being honest about it or being stand up about it. As many times as I caught the VA out by virtue of winning when I finally did in 2014, I never had an apology from them at all. I never had one of them call me up to Alex, I'm so sorry. We delayed you for 22 years. Your daughter didn't get a <laughs> Holy mackerel. Boy, we owe you a big one, Jack. I'm sorry. We really didn't believe you, but you've proved yourself beyond a shadow of a doubt. So we're sorry. We apologize. We had no idea. 
You'll never get that from the Veterans Administration. And considering they got about a 65, 70% error rate, according to the Court of Veterans' Appeals, they ought to have an apology uh, office at every VARO. Sackcloth and a handful of ashes in a jar that he can rub on his forehead, grovel in front of the veteran. Yeah. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Should be a Let form go. letter. <laughs> yeah, at least send them a form letter. We're sorry we screwed you over forever. Well, that's one thing you'll never get from those guys is an apology. Not a one. The closest thing I, mean, I got from that VRE guy that showed up here last week and he says, Well, you know, you won your you won your greenhouse I says, Yep, I says, took five years. He says, Yeah, well no uh, I wasn't part of that. I'm sorry, I wasn't part of that. <laughs> well, you're the one I that, bet he was sorry. <laughs> well, he knows how to duck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't deny you. You know that as well as I do. My boss denied you. So yeah. I, that that was an apology of sorts. It wasn't one of those kind of apologies that means a whole lot. Or you could pat the guy no, on the back. Good. That's playing good cop, bad cop on you there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I wasn't part of that. But sad part is, guys. The whole thing is shredding Getting bigger and yeah. bigger. But yeah, and it like a sad thing about this is, you know, you got a guy been fighting his claim for 15 years, you know, just like, you know, it took me 14 and it took you over 20. Gerald's pushing 15 now, still fighting. Pushing close to 16 now, ain't Gerald? Yeah. So. And they lost now, my ball. My ball gone. And they lost said, said he ain't never seen nothing you know, like no. it. We've been trying to rebuild it here. These presidential candidates get up and say, you know, they're going to fix the VA and they're going to do this and that. And then they said it's a shame that patients were dying waiting to see the doctor. Well, they don't understand that more people die twice or ten times more veterans die waiting for the claims to get approved than ever waiting to see a doctor to VA. Yeah, yeah. Because... And sometimes if you are waiting on a rating and you're part of Group 7 or 8 vet, you can't go see a doctor until you get that claim rated. Nope. No, you can't. So, you know, that's my opinion with them. You know, the regional offices actually are the worst. You know, the VA hospitals, you know, they've got issues. But it's nowhere near as bad as regional office issues. If they could get together and work and fix the regional office issues, I think the VA'd be a lot better place, to, you know, a better place to be. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to getting that VA agent status, John. <clears throat> that nothing is going to give me greater pleasure to just come sashaying through that front door about six, seven times a month to go hi. <laughs> Yeah, remember me? <laughs> yeah. I'm WM, your worst nightmare. <laughs> I'm here to look at Johnny Vett's uh, claims file. Oh, sir, you're supposed to make a, a, a you're supposed to make a reservation. And you say, well, well, I did. What are you talking about? I yeah. scheduled it. 
don't tell me you lost the scheduling. <laughs> yeah. Catch them out on your own game. Come uh, next to the shredder. The one I like is this. <laughs> Call up the guy. You hang on on the 1-800-827-1000 prize redemption line there. Call him up, and you wait, God, what, 33 <laughs> Wait to, to actually talk to the warm body instead of saying, call me back next Tuesday. So when they get yeah. on there, what you do is you go, hi, my name is so-and-so, I, you know, this is my Social Security number, and they go through the whole thing. It's like, when did you enter the service? Okay, when did you get out? All right, yeah, what branch of service? Okay, so we know we're talking to you, Alex. That's correct. So... <clears throat> First thing I do, I live out here in the country, and there's a dead spot on the far side of my house. So I said, yeah, I'd like to schedule. Uh, I, I'm, I'm severely disabled, so I'm going to be coming into Seattle to see my doctor, and I want to review my C file uh, on Monday, the 8th of August, and I'll start walking around on the far side of the house there. So I'll be there on Monday at 8 a.m. to look at my records, and, and uh, you make sure you mark that on y'all's calendar. And by the time they get around the corner, I can hear the guy on the other end. He's like, sir, sir, you're breaking up. I, 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 sir, you can't make an appointment like that. Sir, sir, you, hello, I think, I think we lost him. So you've made your appointment, but you didn't hear them say you can't do that. So you show up on Monday the 8th at 8 a.m. Like, just like you said you were going to. Yeah. They can't very well say, well, you're not scheduled. You don't have an appointment. Bullshit. You made an appointment. <laughs> yeah. Just because they did not mean anything. That's a technicality to get in there, buddy. <laughs> they don't so like I you to show up look blame file. Hey, you can even throw an apology in there and make them feel better about it. But while yeah, I'm here, why don't we just do it? Yeah. Yeah, I drove yeah, I'm sure that. half there. <laughs> Well, in this business, you've got to be able to, to shape shift. Any time you come up with a good game plan on how to win a claim or something, you know as well as I do, the VA will move the goalpost about another 40 yards down to the other side of the stadium there and make you kick further to get to it. <clears throat> so you you got to expect that every time you think that you've got this thing in the bag, they're going to change it. If you know that they are, you can kind of plan for it somewhat. And, you know, now we've got to use only their forms. You know, back in the day, I used to use, my kids had those little Tickle Me Elmo stickers and Donald Duck and and Yosemite Sam. They had stickers, and they'd stick them on their lunch boxes and everything. I started sticking those things on my notices of disagreement up there in the top right hand. You know, it looks pretty good with Tickle Me Elmo sticker on there. <laughs> and, I, you know, I didn't find a single one of those in my C file the first time I got that thing back in 2009. Them suckers have been peeling them off before they copied them. Yes, at least they copied those? them. I've always wondered how many people who work for the Internal Revenue Service or disabled vets that file a claim in the VA. Or if they have to wait, or they get or if they get denied. <laughs> I get I get a real good bang out of pulling their string. I've had guys that were at the. Uh, I had one guy that was at a 
well, um, the the guy the 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 shredder uh, officer he retired in 2014. We just never got around to replacing him and and, and uh, hiring a new one. Or you know, it's it's, it, it's an oversight on our part. But it won't happen again. Well. It only took eight years for it to start happening again, and that's only if you accept the fact that this was the very first time it ever happened. The OAG nipped it in the bud. Otherwise, this is the they first time they've caught them. Junk all the way through from 2008, and never, never ceased and desisted doing it. Yeah, I said then it never happened again. Right. It's you know. <laughs> Like the thing that happened down there at the NPRC on Friday the 13th of 73 in July, when that place burned down, you got a national repository that's six, eight floors high. <clears throat> it's got all the records of all the guys that ever served anywhere in the United States or overseas, World War II, World War One. hell, probably the Civil War stuff still in there. War 1812, who knows? <clears throat> it's all in there, and they don't have a and smoke detector, let alone a sprinkler system, to protect it. They gotta wait until they have a fire for somebody to go. Hey, Bob, I think maybe it's time we put that sprinkler system in there. That might have solved this problem and nipped it in the bud. But well, uh, a little bit of accelerant to match. It's the same logic. It's the same defective thinking that allows you to think that you can just run roughshod over veterans' rights, that we have no rights, that we have no entitlements, and, and we're there, they're there to serve us, but in their own demented thinking, they are there because they're there to get paid to do something. If they accomplish justice for us in the process, that's all well and fine, but the reason they're there is because it's a job and they're getting paid. It has nothing to do with veterans. Does accidentally, just kind of as a side project, but the job is to make money, mm-hmm. bonuses, whatever it is. They, they couldn't give a flying hoot about us. And when they get busted doing these things, the very first thing you hear come out of their mouth is, "We need more money. We we don't have enough assets to do the job." Well, if you knew that in two thousand and eight. And you knew it in 2009, you knew it in 2010, and each year you got more money from Congress because you bitched and complained. Then how can you say in 2016, well, the problem is we don't have enough money. Well, why don't you ask for the money for crying out loud? Are you afraid to speak up? What does it take? Their budget gets increased every year, big time. Oh, yeah. They come on and they don't have the money. that's That's a cop out. It's them not doing their job. They ought to fire the ones that can't get some money or can do it. Bottom line. I don't know what has happened to Americans or America or the government or what. I would think if you were in government, it would just be against the law. Eight states, maybe. That you could even contemplate handing out a reward in the form of a bonus for doing what you were hired to do. Now, VA insists that, well, we can't find qualified help unless we offer bonuses. Retentions. I Retentions. Think that's a, John, come on. 
there's a lot of people out there that are starving to death that love to have them jobs, and they'd be more than happy <laughs> to do it for 90 Unemployment, it's only 5% now. If you, li- if you listen to the big boys, it's only 5% of U.S. unemployment. That's what well, they're preaching. It's 5%. I'm going to tell you something. It's more like 40%. Well, there's there's too many things wrong with this thing. First of all, why would you be handing out bonuses? Why wouldn't the why wouldn't it just be incorporated into the annual salary? Why would you have to make it con, uh, a conditional on how many veterans you denied successfully that where it stuck that they didn't appeal and win? Well, they don't. They're what right they what they do? What they do the in some of the departments line, like? What they do is AMF radio on it, or the hood on the engine, or the air cleaner, or whatever it happens to be. It just goes to the chip and dent room, and somebody fixes it later on. But it, the production line keeps on moving, with or without steering wheels on the cars. Right, and, and that's how the With their bonuses, what they do is they take like an apartment, so like radiology or like uh, vascular. They'll take that, and each department gets a certain amount of money allotted for a bonus. But then all the yes. employees get graded, you know. They get their little rating sheet, you know. Have you been a good employee? You know, did you do your job and things like that? And how many veterans did you save? Or, or you know, how, how much money did you save the VA or whatever, you know. They look at this and they rate everybody and they get a scale, you know, as far as your rating. And then once they get the rating, then the management of that group decides who gets what bonus and how much they get. And I've, I've looked at bonus charts for uh, regional offices, especially with some of the guys I've dealt with in VR and E. See, they're just I wanted to see what their base wage was, and then it shows their bonuses. And uh, you should see the bonus breakdown. The head dude, the dude that just supervises all the people who are the little the little people on the ground making the decisions, be it grants or denials, just on VR and E, not VA claims. The head, the head of the department gets the $2,200 bonus for the year, and, and the guy that is out there in the field doing all the hard work and you know, assembling all the facts to write up the denial, he gets an $800 bonus. So it, 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 it's so non-indicative of who did the hard work gets the money. It doesn't work like that. It, it's, it's a typical top-down Ponzi scheme. You claim you need more money because you don't have enough money to hire personnel for the VHA, uh, more doctors, more shrinks because you're backlogged on uh, people waiting to see doctors. <clears throat> but then you take all that money and give it away in bonuses. You add up all the bonuses they gave away. Hell, you could have hired 500 or 1,000 more goddamn doctors at a pretty good price anyway. So why? Uh, what's the purpose Look, let me draw you another parallel. I noticed when I, I've had guys send me all kinds of paperwork and say, you know, I belong to the hierarchy of, uh, of VFW, and we've watched the wage for the, the national commander, the VFW, used to work for free back in the 80s. Then all of a sudden, in the 90s, he needed a little bit of money uh, to, to fly to the conventions and get drunk. So we had to pay him, you know, 80000 a year for that kind of took care of the airfare. And then all of a sudden, he wanted medical, and so we gave him medical. So that kind of made the package worth about 120 And then all of a sudden, he said, well, the, uh, <clears throat> the national commander's got a wife and kids, so they need medical and dental, too. 
and uh, braces for the kids' teeth. So all of a sudden he's getting about 180000 a year in comp and, and wages and whatnot. And I watched it keep going up. He says, I finally I got sick of it, and I walked away from it. He says, the commander of the VFW now, he's pulling in about 253 286 a year, plus medical, plus dental, plus uh, um, uh, travel fees and, and, and whatnot to go get drunk wherever the national convention is. Uh, it's, and that's what I complained about about a certain uh, veteran's charity about how much they were paying them. <laughs> and I got sued over it. But fortunately, the VA can't sue me when I write about them, or they haven't yet anyway. But they don't like me. They know who I am. There's no doubt about that. Now's a good time to reverse that suit. <laughs> yeah, one of the veterans law judges I ran into down there in Las Vegas is, he says, oh, yeah, everybody at Vermont Avenue knows who you are, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was the best compliment I've ever had. Yeah. Now's a good time to reverse that suit, though, because uh, you're proven correct. Changes wow. have been made. <laughs> I could sue that certain charity because, I mean, I was right, and, and they were wrong. They lied. They said that they were and all their money and giving it to veterans, it turns out they weren't. In fact, they're guilty of exactly what I said they're guilty of. But, yeah. well, I, I, I think I won. It cost me about $8,000 to win. But, hey, I mean, I, I still own my house. or most, I'm, I'm second in line after the bank. It could be worse, I suppose. <laughs> I'd be living underneath an overpass. But, uh well, two people lost their job over that whole fiasco, didn't they? I think they should have lost a lot more people off of there, but they had the two top ones got begged, and, and they're guilty as, and they knew it. And he got a bonus. The, the head dude knocking off, what was he knocking off about? Four twenty-three a year, and they were giving him another hundred thousand dollar bonus to come to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year, so he's making four seventy three when he got the boot. Gone from thousand in two thousand and five seventy nine thousand a year to four hundred seventy nine thousand in two thousand five two thousand. Ooh, so, Lordy, that's a that's I a lot of big jump. But you look at the, look at TV, their national commander. You look at Ambedge. VFW, you look at American Legion, all them big boys, Purple Heart, head dude there, all them boys were working for peanuts back in the 80s, and every last one of them down a, a pretty good salary. You're making more, more than a VA secretary is, and with even more perks than he has, I might add. And, and most of them have got a Gulfstream 5 jet to go cruising around in that belongs to AV or whoever, and I—that's disgusting. Their their money is not getting to the troops any more than what I was complaining about. That certain group that I that I took to task. Oh no, I have seen letters. Really honest to God, thought I was going to die. I have a Titus when I started writing about all that, and I thought, what the hell? They could sue the shit out of me. I'm going to be in a goddamn fine box by the time they get to dock it on it. 
and damned if I didn't get cured of it. That's why they went after me. You get a letter in the mail saying, please sign your life insurance over to us. <laughs> the shredding yeah, scandal and people do. go away. It's going to go down <clears throat> like an iceberg where you can only see a little bit of it above the, the water. The scheduling snafu is never going to go away. They'll just get more and more inventive and, and find a different way to make bets wait and die and, and, and delay, deny until you die. I love that phrase. <clears throat> but there, it's not going to change until you get rid of the deadwood, the bad apples, the bad characters in the program. And That's right. And article after article after article about all the veterans that go down there and apply for a job and should get preference because they're veterans. And the preference they get is that they get the, the janitorial jobs. They don't get jobs in authority. The union right. got that all sewed up, the AFGE. Yeah, they hire jobs. buddies, and they just, they just kind of pay lip service to those veterans that show up and give them the, the E-4 job uh, of mopping the floors. And they're, they're never, ever going to get into a, a higher income, like a ninety dollars or $100,000 a year. Never going to get there. They'd be lucky if they make 20 years and, and take a, the golden parachute at a top out at like 46000 a year, full time. Has anyone uh, took over, uh, took on the union, Alex, that you've heard of? Only guys I've seen that blew an ass gasket were the guys down at the Columbia RO in South Carolina, the AFGE union guys down there. And, and you got to realize, too, not everybody, not all the Raiders, not all the people that work in the Veterans Benefits Administration at the regional offices. Not all of them belong to the AFGE. There isn't anybody putting a gun in their head like the teachers' unions where you got to join. Uh, so <clears throat> the guys that were actual union people were higher-ups in the ratings department down there in South Carolina started complaining when the VA started just shoveling this thing through, when the backlog really started to pile up in about 2010, and I had my ear to the ground, and a guy sent me an email one time, and it says, use this email. Do not send to my office email at VA.gov, please. And he started telling me about some of the complaints that the AFGE Raiders were blowing an ass gasket in Columbia over being forced to um, deny stuff and, and saying, <clears throat> look, rate on what you got on your desk here. I know there's another folder of Veterans Health Administration stuff coming over from the hospital. I want these claims out this afternoon. If you don't have that information from VHA, rate on what you got. And they all looked at the boss and said, but that means that a vet gets denied. And so the guy goes, so what? What's the big deal? He can appeal. Well, yes, he can appeal, but, you know, too many veterans lose hope, right, when they get their teeth kicked in at the beginning and don't appeal. That's that's patently obvious that if you got 1.5 million claims coming through the VA every year and only uh, 50, 
thousand or sixty-five thousand are appealed. That that's a minuscule amount, twenty percent, fifteen, something like that. I, I don't have a calculator here to do the math on that right now, but it's indicative of of the loss rate, and of that loss rate. Most of those vets won't appeal, or might maybe they'll get pissed off and come back around in another five or ten years and refile, reopen, and get their teeth kicked in again and give up a second time. And finally, they'll get an attorney or get somebody who knows what's going on, and they'll win their claim eventually because they figure it out. But <clears throat> these guys at Columbia, uh, they pitched a bitch, and they got no traction from the VA. All they ended up doing was working on Saturdays six days a week instead of five to catch up with the backlog. They were forced to rate claims that were incomplete just to get them out the door, and they tried to vocalize that, and they didn't get any traction with the media. They got plenty of traction with BFW and AMLEG and MOPH and all the rest of the boys, but they didn't get any traction from WLOS or any of the, the big outfits, uh, TV stations and stuff. Nobody covered it. Vets just aren't or weren't that big a deal back then. They are now when you realize that the VA is in the news about every other day, something stupid going on like the shredder business. But <clears throat> you think the shredder thing is going to end with six or ten ROs, you're crazy. I guarantee you they're going to discover the shredder bins with accidentally included documents for about the next 15 or 20 years until it becomes a totally electronic process. And only then will they figure out how to shred computers. It's called the delete button. Well, yeah. What file? It burned up in 1973. There was a big computer. (laughs) I've been told that myself. I I wonder how much money the guy got that started it. (laughs) <laughs> He'd retired. <laughs> He'd probably in Alcapulco living pretty good. The timing of that was so obvious. It was, I mean, they, they lit it on the sixth floor. It was a cigarette in a trash can that hadn't been put out. Now, who throws a cigarette in a trash can for crying out? Nobody. Nobody. In their right mind. It, it just, in a building with no sprinkler systems. But more appropriately... They discovered that happened like 10 minutes before everybody went home on a Friday night. Now, they didn't even know the place was on fire until about 9 o'clock that night and almost burned out the whole sixth floor. Nobody, not a, not a soul, not even any of the security guys at the front gate that let people in and out. Nobody even turned around and looked up there and saw what <laughs> must have looked like the, that thing that Moses around the desert. <laughs> what was it, A through H? Oh, yeah, 1964 for Air Force and Army, uh, and up to H, I think. Yeah, uh, up to H. A 60 uh, in the Air Force and the Army. I believe that's yeah. what it was. I got it. It's on my website, the degree Big Fire. <laughs> so you was on the Marine Corps, and your last name was Zimmerman. Okay, your record's burned up in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath notes, mm. when I... For the for us to talk about shredders today, I'm, I'm sitting here. Somebody put a note on here about ten minutes after the show started. Her name is Sherry, and it says, 
this is what I don't understand. I went with my husband in the early 90s to our local VSO, and we were told, your records must have burnt in a fire. So there were no records yep. of him serving his country. Well, how is it that those records are now found 25 years later when we refile? Because husband should have been allowed to file a claim for his PTSD 25 years ago. I think VA should be held accountable for shunning my husband with such a bogus lie. Well, well Sherry, you're up. That's 3.156C. to me that there would be special dispensation for all those people that were told that they got their records all burned up but didn't. So you should just I get hope a he gets awarded. We'll give you that Retro back to that date. Yeah. yeah. Give it back to him, and he'll be protected when he gets raided. <laughs> Go on with your bad self. <laughs> got that extraordinary writ and got my uh, SMCS out of the out of that extraordinary writ. It's kind of funny, Chuck. That thing was already 20-year protected when they wrote it on February 17th. <laughs> It was already a protected, a 20-year protected claim when they actually wrote it. It was 21 years after the fact that I filed. That's, I'm, I think that's pretty cool beans. I got an outfit, uh, some college kids down in uh, Miami that wrote me an email. He says, Mr. Graham, we've been reading your blog, and apparently you, you've been fighting the VA longer than I've been alive. <laughs> I'm 20 years old, and I'm trying for my master's degree here. We'd like to, to bring you down here, all expenses paid for a couple, three days, and, and film you, because we're doing a film documentary on this thing, and we want to get you and about six, eight other guys that have, have been fighting VA for literally, you know, 20, 25 years. We're going to make a compendium of all of them, and then we're going to publish it and, and, and take it to the VA and give it to them and see if we can get some traction for you poor veterans and I thought to myself, boy, that'd make a story that when they finally rate you, you're already 20-year 20 20 protected. <laughs> running a little late on games. It's taken a little bit more than 125 days. Well, actually, uh, there's a guy doing a documentary, and uh, he's uh, actually he's interviewed Gerald, and he's, he's been on the show before. Uh, What's his name, Gerald? John Smith. Smith, yeah. And he's he actually used to uh, work for uh, Billy Graham. Billy, he was Billy his, Graham, yeah. Uh, his uh, wow. television director, really nice guy, Produce. nice people. And he's doing something like that too, but he's doing a little bit. He's uh, he does Majesty Outdoors right now, so he's uh, but he's actually putting something together now, and he's going to do you know he's going to bring some stuff out about one twelve and things like that, how his ventures have been treated. So, uh, you know, that'd be a pretty good deal. And uh, I'm would, sure he'd like to live. He, he'd like to see what you would, got to say, Alex. Being mistreated, and then everything all got better on in 2010 or 2012 or 2000, whenever. But it, it never happens. It's just as quickly as they find out 46 guys died in Phoenix waiting for a date with a doctor, and they're saying, well, it's unique to Phoenix. Then all of a sudden, there's another 121 of these places with a problem, and the number of vets is skyrocketing out to 1,000, 1,500 died waiting to see a doctor. And and everybody's, oh, it's so terrible. Oh, we're going to have to pass some new laws and some new rules to prevent that from happening. 
hell it's been going on since before Vietnam. Why do they act as if they it just came to their attention? This has been going on nonstop. I remember visiting one of my buddies in the Seattle hospital there in 1974. He lost both of his legs to Bouncing Betty, and, and uh, he didn't have anywhere he could go. They were still waiting for a home at the uh, old that, uh, soldier's home in Retzel up the road here from me. And uh, he was waiting to get in up there, so I'd go in there and bring him smokes and, and uh, you know, Reese's peanut butter cups and stop at McFlugel's and get him a burger and fries and stuff like that because he couldn't get out of there. He didn't, couldn't drive or nothing. Didn't have a pot to piss in. He was staying at the hospital. So <clears throat> you should have seen the conditions. I mean, there weren't rats running through there. It was cleaner than that, yes. But, I mean, there was guys sitting there with pooped in their diapers or their pants and, uh, and laying there in bed and pushing the little button to call the nurse uh, for two, three hours before somebody come in there and do anything about it. And they were warehouse six, eight to a room. And it was pretty aromatic if somebody pooped their drawers. You know, not much they could do it. A lot of those vets would help each other on, on cleaning up each other and, and doing stuff because there weren't enough nurses. But there was enough mm-hmm. money for bonuses. <laughs> and oh, that was terrible. This is some phenomenon. It's not. When I was in the hospital from 2009 to 2010, they had guys in the hallway waiting for They checked some guy out that had just been out of surgery for about 24 hours and had a DM2 amputation uh, where he took off his foot because of his gangrenous. And he, well, you look like you're pretty perky there. I guess you can go home. We need your bed. That's been going on nonstop probably since, well, for me, since 1974 that I'm aware of. And uh, it's not getting better. And and throwing more money at it just ain't working. Probably my theory is that they ought to just make it all Obamacare. Just take all them hospitals and turn them into regular hospitals. Let everybody go in there, including the veterans. You know how much money it would save? What? You know how much money it would save the government to go ahead and just shut them all down and give veterans cars them go see the damn doctors they want to go see? Exactly. They probably have savings of about $50 billion the first year, and they wouldn't even understand why. Make America great again. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'd be a lot easier on the veteran, too. Uh, Well, depending on how far they had to travel, you know, some of them have traveled quite a ways. Well, the the guys up in Alaska, the VA sticks them on an airplane and and flies them down here to Seattle because they don't have a VAMC up there in in Alaska at all. Any of them guys that need surgery or any big, big, Medical issues have to come down here to Seattle. Well, it puts you. Yeah, we had a guy, We had one of the guys on had it here. Uh, I guess he's probably still a member, but he lived out on one of the Barrier Islands or something up there, and he had to take a ferry boat just to get to an airport, just to get on a plane, just to get to Seattle. It took him like two or three days just to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Who ever heard of travel fees? Your your travel fee round trip 
from Anchorage down here and back like a thousand bucks. You know, how many of those guys can you justify doing that for before you give them a VA choice card and say, hey, just go to Anchorage General <laughs> Hospital here. Don't, don't come to Seattle. If it's cheaper to buy him a yacht and let him drive it down there. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the bean counters are and how they can possibly make that pencil out. How they can even justify it, rationalize it in good in good mm. conscience. It's like yeah. a, a hospital is going to be more expensive per square inch than any hospital ever constructed in in the world for the next fifty years, at least. Yeah, but every time one of them falls overboard, look at the bonus they get. I'm sure there was a lot of bonuses in Denver before they pulled them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe they're still yeah. doing it. That cooler water oh, got some great whites, too, isn't it? <laughs> are prepared on paper. And they, they can publish a, a fast letter and send it out Say, don't shred. Ask before you shred. Make sure you have a shredder officer. Security we need to make that. And, and you got to... Lock a, a keyed lock on the shredder room door so nobody can sneak in there and shred things. And we need, we maybe need, need to make a out a camera in there. <laughs> we need to make a veteran slogan, Alex, and put a picture of an old vet and a, and a sign on his tummy. Don't shred on me. <laughs> oh yeah. I think what they ought to do is they ought to put veterans, hire veterans, and make them the shredder officers. Man, they'd make the perfect scapegoat. Oh, we had this idiot veteran, a classic example why you can't chuckleheads. That son of a bitch let everybody go in there and burn and shred their stuff. Up. Oh, yeah, they'd do that, too. They, they, they'd persecute you, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's we what you get. you got a bunch of non, non-caring non-vets around. They don't care. Well, it's, I, yeah. I hate to say it, but it appears that way. I've dealt with guys who are veterans who work for the Veterans Administration, and they're conscientious to a fault. Uh, I'll give you a classic example, that veterans law judge, Vito Clemente, that I had last year. That man is dedicated to veterans because he is one. And, and he, has, he feels that compulsion to give them a fair shake. Uh, That's, come on. That's a camaraderie. You get in the military service that does that. Yeah, no. You have a better, <clears throat> better outlook. Further from the... But, but oh, let's see here. What was about about the start of this year? I can't remember. It was uh, some guy says I drew B L J U R Powell. What kind of guy is he? Does anybody know who? What kind of is he? A hanging judge or what? And so I, I spotted that thing. I said, well, first thing you got to understand is U stands for Ursula. It's not a he. And the guy panicked. Oh, Did you tell him Kevlar underwear would be the uniform of the day? <laughs> Went to the BVA site, started re- reading her decisions, and came to the conclusion she was a hanging judge uh, mm. by virtue of she denied a bunch of stuff. Well, I did the same thing, and all I'm reading is who's representing the guy? Disabled American veterans. Well, the guy says that this happened and that happened and blah, blah, blah. And, it, and Ursula Powell says, well, 
you know, you need a nexus letter to, to you can't make this decision and say that you got hepatitis C from that jet gun yourself. You got to have a doctor say that. And because you don't have a nexus letter, you lose. That's not a hanging judge. That's a judge that's condemning or, or making fun of the, the veteran service organization showing up there without any preparation and not helping the veteran win his claim. And that's what the majority of the veterans law judges I've talked to uh, feel is that the veterans are getting screwed, but not by them. They can only by their representation. vision on what's handed to them. And if they're only handed about one-third due to somebody shredding something or whatever, if they aren't given all the facts or given, uh, have a VSO that knows that they need a nexus letter, those veterans are going to lose. There's nothing that veterans law judge can do about it. No benefit of the doubt is ever going to fix it. And it just, it's, it's unfortunate. Sure, there's, there's some hanging judges there. That first jerk I had, no, one the first one was about the third one, uh, Mark Hinden, I looked him right in the face, and he smiled and nodded his head and listened to everything I said. And when I got all finished with the hearing after an hour and 40 minutes, he gave me a whole 40 minutes extra, uh, I got all finished with that. He says, man, you sure know a whole bunch about this claims process. Well, that's really, really impressive to listen to you talk. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I won my claim, boy, by golly. That son of a gun didn't look at anything I gave him. It didn't look at any of the date time stamps on any of the documents I handed him. They were stamped in the VA, and I pulled out of my own C file. All he did was take that stuff and just throw it off to the side and said, well, you didn't, you didn't file anything after the notice of disagreement. So you lose. But he didn't look to see that I'd filed anything before the notice of disagreement or with the notice of disagreement. He just purposefully put his blinders on and looked past it. Now that was an ass. <clears throat> that was a, a gentleman who was not open-minded that works as a at the BVA. God, they're far between because if if that was the general consensus of the quality of the judges, we'd really be hurting for certain. There'd probably be a higher rate of denial than the 85-15 I mentioned. Veterans don't understand that this is like this is like going to Las Vegas. You you start out <clears throat> at an Indian casino in Washington State where you don't get a free drink, and the, you might as well walk in there and just take your wallet and um, empty it on the floor and walk out. You're not going to win. Or if you do, it's just a fluke. You might win for five minutes, but you're going to lose for 55 minutes. You go to Las Vegas, you at least you got a fighting chance at hitting a good one-armed bandit. But more appropriately... In the VA process, when you hit the Board of Veterans' Appeals, you got a 22 24% chance of winning. But if you lose there and go to the Court of Veterans' Appeals like I did, your chances of winning go up to 70%. Any man who can't see those statistics, he shouldn't be allowed to bet money at a racetrack. You look at statistics and you see that you keep your skin in the game, you're going to win eventually with the VA. They, eventually, they're just going to give up on you. But if they got shredder machines working full, full time, 24-7, destroying the evidence before you can get it in front of a judge, that, that statistic is going to drop rather dramatically. 
I'm impressed that I won, but not because I did anything unique. I think it's just a squeaky wheel gets the, the grease. They're fed up with me. I don't think they want to see me down there anymore. That's just my opinion. I actually I think I'm a very likable guy. I I would think that I could be best friends with all those folks down at the regional office. Are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> I was born on April Fool's Day. What what part of that don't you get, John? <laughs> But it's uh, I'd be it's careful sad. what oh. door they told Gizzo. <laughs> yeah. Well, Again. I think that they they're going to throw down on this greenhouse just to get me out of their hair and, and get me off the books. And the only thing they can't do is put a fork in me and kill me because I don't use a VA hospital anymore. So my blog is going to survive. They refuse. <laughs> Drug for hepatitis C kept telling me, yeah, we'll give it to you when you get a little sicker, hoping I'd get sick enough to die without getting it. So I went to Medicare and got it. Now they're really hurting. <laughs> what, what do you do under those circumstances? We can't get him in the hospital and kill him. He won't come. <laughs> yeah, that presents a problem. Well, they had a year, and they, they gave me a heart attack. What else? They gave me a MRSA. They give me... OD'd me on heparin, gave me 100 or 10 cc's of it instead of 1 cc, and then they had to oh. give me two blood to thin me out, <clears throat> or thicken me up, I guess would be the term for it. Damn. Four operations, and they still didn't kill me. So you, you got to figure, they, they feel like they're, they're just not having any good luck with me. They might as well give, give me everything and get rid of me because they can't kill me. I just don't go back. Well, I ain't planning on it. I wouldn't. You can only roll them dice so many times. (laughs) That's right. That seven's going to come up. You're going to crap out eventually. Yeah. Don't, uh... Yeah, Uh, they they scared me. Well, I'll tell you, I've I've dealt with the VA for so long now, I'm I'm just... uh, can't even begin to tell you. I don't trust them any further than I can throw them. When they're looking at me and they're smiling, I I, I keep trying to see what they got in their hand behind their back there. there. There's always something, and they're always grinning and smiling and acting like they're your best friends. And the moment you turn your back, you find out what's going on. You, I honestly, like I said, back in 2010 when I had that BLG board here and there in Seattle, that guy looked me in the face, he smiled, he said, oh, yeah, I get it. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Yeah, okay, now I grasp it. Okay, I see where you're going with that. And he still denied me. Hey, that That's yep. a classic example of somebody just blowing smoke up your rear end and, and, and just pacifying you, just saying anything he can say to you to make you feel at ease and, and, and shoot yourself in the foot. And, and and blow your claim. My wife sat there and listened to me, and she told me when I came out of there, she says, you know, you laid that out like Perry Mason. There's nobody could have misunderstood how you said that. I mean, it, it, it was crystal clear to me, and I don't know anything about VA claims and regulations. It's crystal clear that you <clears throat> submitted new, new material evidence while the claim was still alive, regardless 
of, of what VA says, and I figured that the judge could see that. And I was that was in my naive period of life with the VA. That's back when I actually trusted them to, to <laughs> be honest, to, to take your word for something and say, well, Alex said this and Alex said that, so we can take that to the bank. They'll spend the next two years trying to prove that you're lying or that it didn't happen the way you said it did to the point of having to ignore evidence in the file in order to get to that kind of conclusion. That's when it scared me. That's when I honestly realized that this is a game and you've got to learn how to play it. And you got to learn it. And it, it ain't just learning how to play it, but being able to take what they do and turn it against them. I love using their regulations to hang them, them with their own stuff. And that, that's why that VR&E was so much fun to me getting that greenhouse is they'd sit there and tell you something. Well, there, you, there's, no, there's no avocational applications for v, uh, VA's vocational rehab program. It's designed to get you back to work. You can never go back to work, Mr. Graham. You're too screwed up. So that you don't me for you. What, what do you. Why are you here? <laughs> I want a greenhouse. Wait, you can't have one. Well, why not? Because you can't go to work. You, you, even if you could go to work, you, 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 we don't have the money for a greenhouse for every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes down the pike. You want to be a carpenter? I'll buy a hammer and a, and a, and a framing square and, and a skill saw and, and, and give you, you know, like 45 months of training to be a carpenter or whatever, but you can't work. So you get a can opener or a cordless phone if you're lucky. Maybe a grab bar next to the toilet. That's all you're getting out of us. <laughs> I think they switch now. They give you a cordless can opener. <laughs> a cordless. Or they hand you a phone cord. <laughs> yeah, phone get cord. a <laughs> No, but Alex touched on trusting the VA. Trust. But you know what happens if you take the T out of trust, right? What are you left with? Rush. A bunch of rust. Well, <laughs> yeah, they don't want to put too much faith in them because, like Alex says, <laughs> I had to laugh because I've sat there and seen them, seen them do the same thing. I can't believe what they wrote down. Yeah, and they look they look you right in the eye when you're doing it, and they say, yes, sir, yes, I believe you, right. I understand exactly where you're, yeah, that happened to my Uncle Ray. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Good point. Yeah. I had, a, uh, yeah, I, mean, I had a, a cousin over there, you know. in there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I had a cousin, I had a 14 cousin three, twice removed <laughs> over there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, my God, these guys are good at, <laughs> if it wasn't so serious, they'd make a good comedian show. Yeah. Well, the game of life, people, they're, they're killing people. They are you know, killing they're people. Just, you know, people are, more people are dying waiting their claims to ever be solved than in any hospital. Destroying and I hope everybody families. realizes that. Yeah. Look at the families they've just literally ripped apart. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
giving people false hopes. And instead of helping them, they just ag them on. Yeah, don't worry, we got you covered. This is good. And, and uh, I have yet, to, I have yet to see a VSO tell somebody a, 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 a VSO with one of the big boys tell a veteran he needs to go get an IMO. I've yeah, never heard that. Know. Never seen it. I'll be able to tell me I didn't need one with my record. That's been I was dumb enough to go to St. Louis to a damn hearing without an IMO. Can, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Back back after the First World War, you actually had to go to a doctor and have him sign something, get that IMO from him saying, yep, the reason old Bob can't hear is he stood right beside that 155-millimeter howitzer all day firing mm-hmm. off rounds and he didn't have any earplugs in. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of lucky strikes shoved into each ear. That didn't work. And that was 1917-1921. Same thing after World War II. You got some guy that looks like he got his hand caught in a, a fan on the front end of an engine it's all shrapnel wounds and stuff like that, and you still got to get a doctor that says, yeah, he has a Purple Heart, and, and that's how he got his, that's what happened. That, that, that hand grenade went off, and he was too close to it. Why would you need to have a doctor say that? What what possibly, those are the obvious cases, quite obviously. I, I work with the, the impossible ones, and, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited, and I, I was wanted. I wanted to save this towards the end of the show and share it with you. I just put it up on on the Haddit website. It's on the special monthly compensation, and and the post is under R R one and R two. I've been working with the guy since February last year over in Manila in the Philippines. We've been denying him uh, uh, SMCO or P or or any of those higher ratings. And he's got seizures, and he's lost his bladder sphincter control, so he wears diapers. He's got bed sores. He's helpless because of the seizures. He's got some nerve that he pinched when he fell down one time when he was having a seizure, so he's paralyzed from the waist down, so he's lost the use of his lower legs. VA was paying him SMCL here in the States, and he couldn't afford to live here on account of... He couldn't afford the caregiver here. He lived down in Tucson. His name was Kevin. So, well, Kevin, he uh, <clears throat> moves to the Philippines because the cost of living there is dramatically less. I know that. Not that I've lived there, but just Southeast Asia is a, a lot cheaper than Phoenix, Arizona. They probably live longer, too. <laughs> they don't have a VAMC hospital there. <laughs> so... Anyway, make a long story short, I got an email from him this afternoon. I put together a hellacious legal argument for him and said, okay, well, he's entitled to this and he's entitled to that, but if he has this, this, and this, then he automatically jumps from SMCL to SMCO. And if he has aid in attendance, which he does, then he automatically moves into the R stuff. And he called me or emailed me this afternoon. He says, Alex, your letter carried the day. The Veterans Service Center manager called me at 4.05 p.m. this afternoon and said that they'd approved me for R2. That pays out, just in case any of you guys don't know. R2 is the highest you can go at VA, and that pays out $8,353 a month. 
in uh, mm-hmm. station costs. I think the Ford is back. I got a bunch of guys. SMC, M, L, O, half, whatever, N and a half. I never never saddled anybody up with a nice R2 rating. And, and the, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. He he just he fought the good fight, but he had a VSO, and the VSO didn't know anything about SMC. He never bothered back to research. Well, you can't get there. You got SMCL for aid and attendance. What do you want, egg in your beer? Hey, you can't get any higher than that. Well, <laughs> ask a ask a DAV yeah. vet so if he knows what SMCS is, it'll tell you no. Well, I got uh, I was working on a, one of my rentals, changing out a dishwasher <clears throat> about three months ago, and the, the guy, the renter, couldn't be there. And I said, "Well, I feel comfortable if somebody's there to let me in because you got a dog that's bigger than I am." <coughs> and okay, so his. The guy's dad went down there and met me, and I saw his hand was shaking pretty bad. And I says, well, you got Parkinson's? He says, yeah. I says, I'll bet you're a veteran, and I'll bet you $100 more on top of that. He was in Vietnam. He says, damn, you'd make that money back in a minute, wouldn't you? And I said, yeah. And he, I said, do you file for that Parkinson's yet? And he says, no, I'm already 100%. I said, so what? He says, well, what do you mean, so what? That's as high as you can go is 100 And I said, oh. Who told you that? It's well, the guy down there in VFW. He told all of us that. There's me and a whole bunch of my buddies, man. Some of us got diabetes, and some of us have got ischemic heart disease, and we're already 100%. And he told us not to waste our time filing because there's no more money after 100. And he says, can yeah. I have your business card? <laughs> me and my five yeah. buddies would like to have a sit down and have a little attitude talk with you. <laughs> Yeah, like what do you call that? <laughs> SMS? S- SMC? Uh, how does that work? So, I, I've got him slated to come in next Tuesday. He and I are going to sit down and write up his Parkinson's uh, claim for him. Mm-hmm. He's just his mentally. He can't do it anymore. He's, he, he's fought him this long. He got boogered. He needs to shake him up. He needs to shake him up. There were gluttons for punishment back there. No, oh, them BSOs, they, they need to be reschooled or run off or something. They've caused a lot of damage. Well, I have to take the test, just like John Doral and anybody else has to take that test to be a VA agent. But we're just as good as an attorney in most respects if we read the book and learn all the stuff. A VSO yeah. doesn't do that. There'll be one guy at the VSO, and probably in my case, there'll be one guy in Seattle who'll be who's taken the test, and he he's like an administrator for all the other VSOs in Washington State, and for all I know, Alaska too. So they fill out all the paperwork stuff, and they hand it to him, and he files it because he's the officer; he's in charge of that. That's what he does. All those people don't have a clue what they're doing, so they hand him a claim for guy claiming uh, wants an increase. He wants 10% for each ear for tinnitus. And you know as well as I do, you get tinnitus, you get a 10% maximum. That's for bilateral for both ears. And they're still filing these claims. And here's a guy with this taking the test that puts that claim in for a veteran. 
that tells you that their level of intelligence is pretty low, that they don't have to learn it. They don't have to... I'd get kicked out. I'd lose my accreditation, which I'm hoping to get here. I'd get kicked out if I started filing frivolous claims like that. And they tell yeah. you right up, you see, you're not allowed. You file too many frivolous claims. Well, throw your ass out. You, you better do this right. Well, if that's sauce for the goose, how come it ain't sauce for the gander? How come they ain't canning all these DSOs that are filing bogus claims? They file claims for hepatitis related to Agent Orange. It ain't going to happen. Never. Why waste nope. your time doing it? Why go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals with that stupidity? Because you're going to lose. Agent Orange well, and Neil, you got in Hanoi. <laughs> We're uh, we're we're out of time, guys. We're I know my boy. Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, John, you wanna? Uh, uh, well, folks, Alex, thanks for coming on, doggone it. Uh, uh, I did send uh, uh, Bronco Bet a. A message inviting him on. It's probably too late. He may not have got it. But uh, anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you tuning in. Hope you learned something. If not, we'll try back again next week. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, this will be Gerald Cook with Alex Graham, and Jay Basser will be signing off for now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basser Show. <laughs>